destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello, George Brundle. Hi, Larry Davis. We're here with Destroy All Children, the podcast. We've got exciting news this week. Two things, in fact. Uh, one game-related, one not at all. Well, it's going to be a pretty packed episodes so we should probably just like get right into that that's right waste, it's not like waste we've... no time yep don't hey, waste uh, no time i've been watching the computer chronicles the what computer chronicles What's uh, that? it was a it was a pbs show uh that started i believe in 81 and ran until 2002 it was basically just um kind of covering the rise of uh home computing and like changes in that market and development of new technologies and stuff. Uh, I bring this up because in particular, I watched one on the launch of Windows 95. And uh, I want you to guess who is the uh, celebrity that they had headlining uh, their presser uh, when Microsoft announced Windows. Windows 95. Uh... Keep in mind, this would have then taken place in 94, the presser. John Lovitz. No, you're close. It's a J name. Hmm. J- Jimmy. Jim Varney. No, I got a wish. Come on, take one more <laughs> crack at it. Uh. Oh boy. He would have been making a lot of Bill Clinton jokes at this point in time. Jim Brewer. Jay Leno. Oh, of course. Sure. Yeah, no, he's got a garage full of Windows machines. Yeah, yeah, Serenity now. Uh, yeah, uh, man, though, like, it's kind of neat sitting down and then realizing all the stuff that Windows 95 did that kind of gets taken for granted now. Like, they had a whole segment on that show about, like, you could change the theme on your computer and make the windows different colors. Cool. Or, like, one bit I wrote down the quote, now, a lot of people are getting plus because it comes with a pretty cool 3D pinball game. Can we take a look at that? <laughs> Did they take a look at the maze? Oh, no, they didn't. Um, but they they did um, put in, like, a CD and go, like, check this out. It can autoplay CDs now. Ooh. <laughs> Very uh, but, cool. Like, I, actually, like, that show is kind of neat just as a pure time capsule sort of thing like i went back and watched a bunch of ones about the amiga uh and uh computer chronicles very opinionated on the amiga they they want they insist it is not just for games as if though that like it also being able to play games denigrates it in some way Uh uh-huh so like there's a lot of episodes just dedicated to like you know the amiga can do other things than video games right it can yeah, uh, they they have like a lot of uh, video editing software on the Amiga. Next, you're gonna tell me that the Commodore 64 wasn't just for video games. 
Well, no, that would be a lie. Okay, good. You would never use a Commodore 64 for anything else. There's also a lot of good, like, especially when you hit the 90s episodes, like, they're sponsored by, um, by it being PBS, you know, a lot of public interest stuff sponsoring them, but particularly, like, them saying, like, remember, don't copy that floppy, like, before all the commercial breaks. Not uh-huh. commercial breaks, but, like, at the ends of the, and the starts of the episodes when they're going over. Okay. Man. I mean, that's cool, but is it as cool as Ghost Rider? No, probably not. Okay. This thing did not have a terrifying bubblegum monster. No, there is no gooey Gus in this. Man. Missed opportunity. There is no little girl uh, working for, like, a high school newspaper uh, telling everyone about how she's part of the hacker scene, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a I... cyberpunk. You're not out there surfing the information highway. When I was a kid, I would watch uh, a show called Adult Math on PBS. Uh, I remember the math not being that hard, but it was like well, it turns mix. out like, like as an adult, a... you really don't need hard math. Well, yeah, but um, it had like soap opera style elements or like a serialized story in it. Which was weird But I don't know, I watched a lot of it That's why Andrew Yang has that math pin He's actually just a fan of adult math I mean, that would make more sense than most of his other platforms Sure Uh, But yes, despite watching that a lot uh, I'm still not good at math So, sorry PBS, you didn't really help me there Like I said, you don't really... Like, that's the irony of it all, is the math that you were getting taught when you were, like, in high school is way more complicated than the math that most adults are actually going to at any point in their life. Well, maybe, like, in the early 90s, they hadn't invented that kind of math yet. You know, like, <laughs> sure. um, uh, Pythagorean equations. Yeah, no one thought to put, like, X's into math equations at that point in time. What? That's crazy. It was unheard of. Letters? Yeah, letters and numbers. No. That's when they went too far. That's when the SJWs took over. And they decided oh, no, that, you, that they needed to have letters in math too. It can't just be numbers. We have to be uh, inclusive. We have to let everything in. Yeah. Gamers rise up. Gamers rise up. We live in a society. I heard that we have gaming news though. So enough about computers and maths let's talk about computers and maths (laughs) yeah daddy phil spencer came to save us from a dry week by saying hey y'all want to hear about that new xbox here we go and spencer making this week what yeah just just straight up sloppy from phil oh sure yeah it's a teraflop man not a I don't know what that means Phil posted a There's a blog on Xbox.com Maybe you've heard of it Called What What you can expect from the next generation of gaming Uh, And it has a lot of details about the Xbox Series X Which by the way I, I guess they've just sort of They're sort of going back on the whole It's just called Xbox thing Where I guess it is, but it's in the same way that like an iPad is an iPad, but you would still. Like, I guess that's what it always yeah. was. 
It, I mean, I think it's good that they're maybe walking that back. I don't think that the Series X is a good name either, but it's better than just calling it the Xbox. Just call it Xbox 4. Yeah, sure. Don't Why be not? cowards. It's better than probably any other Xbox name besides, like, the original one at this point. Like, Xbox I mean, One sucks. Yeah, like, the iPhones and iPads are just that plus a number, so why not? Yeah, I'm okay with that. But then they can't do that because they'd be like, oh, the the Xbox 4, but this is the PlayStation 5. Like, that's why they went with Xbox 360 to begin with. Because they didn't want to call it Xbox yeah. 2. Wow. I don't know. I just don't like either of these names. I think they are terrible and dumb and bad, but also they are extremely Xbox at this point because that's also true of all the other names that they've given these systems. Call it Xbox 6. Just jump ahead. <laughs> Why not? Who yeah. cares? Xbox 64. There you go. You yeah. skip all the other ones. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, so there's a yeah they put out all this news on uh what to expect out of this new thing uh i was telling you before the podcast i didn't bother to read any of this stuff i had other things to do with my day and never got around to it uh-huh. uh all i know is playstation fans sure were mad that they still don't really have any news at all um i mean i, I feel that's a... because like yeah. sure but also yes. the xbox has to like they got beaten so badly. Like Xbox is the Mike Bloomberg of video game consoles at this point. They just have to keep paying people to post for them and hope it goes well. <laughs> sure. Microsoft paid me to make this meme. <laughs> That's right. I mean, well, Xbox had to delete that whole thread about dictators. Because uh, that <laughs> didn't go well for them. It was satire, though. It was okay. Uh Xbox pledges in a closed door meeting to protect the DLC. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So anyway, here's the stuff about Xbox. There's a lot of technical things which I don't really care about or understand. Um... You you watch adult math. Thank you very much. <laughs> you should care about this. Well, look, I can tell you this has the Xbox Series X has 12 teraflops of GPU performance, which is twice that of an Xbox One X. Which honestly does not sound that impressive, <laughs> but yeah, then, I, I then I think like the Xbox One X actually can put out some good stuff, and a lot of I think the problems with games I've had on it are more the developers not taking advantage of it. For example, Sekiro. I think that generally it's a little unwise to be super predictive about where technology is going to go because uh, we're seldom ever right about that stuff. Uh, I know this. Because, again, I've been watching a lot of the Computer Chronicles. They do that a lot. And, uh, boy, it didn't turn out the way that they thought it did. Um, but, like, I kind of just think that the leap between this current generation and the next one is not going to be as pronounced as any of the prior uh, generational uh, in terms of just performance and graphical output. So it being, like, just twice as good as opposed to any amount more than that makes sense to me. I feel like, so, personally, if they can make things look a bit better, but run at 60 frames per second, that's fine with me. I don't really care if things look that much better than what they do now. 
Yeah, I think that's about where I'm at with everything, too. I, I care less about the actual graphical fidelity of these games and more about the performance. Yeah, because that is a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, as someone who still is just using a base PS4, because I really did not want to have to buy a whole other uh, system just to like get a little bit better performance out of it. Like That's the main reason I'm looking forward to the PlayStation 5 at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, yeah, 12 teraflops, which I don't remember what the rumored number was for the PS5, but I think it's pretty similar, which, as you would expect, um, there is a bunch of dumb crap here, who cares, variable rate shading, great, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, real quick, um, ray tracing... So I think the speculation was 9 teraflops out of the PS5. Hmm. I don't... I think it'll be more than that. Yeah. I hope so. Anyway. Uh, 8 teraflops on uh, PS5PlayStation5.com <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you noticed that, like, games, GameSpot... I was gonna say GameStop. Uh, GameSpot just like has articles that change the date they were published on. No, that's because, bizarre. Because I saw an article that was like the PlayStation Five website just just like opened. You can sign up here to get information when it is going to release or whatever. I was like, this happened like last week. Why is this happening? And then I looked down. At the comments, and there were comments from the week before, but the published date had listed it as that day. Like, it's some sort of search engine thing, I guess, so if you search yeah. for PS5 information, it'll come up first, but that's so stupid. Well, I was about to bring that up. The thing that I like with Google and the way that their whole, like, uh algorithm works when you like search a question on there and it has that box with a bunch of drop downs and the sort of like general general questions about the subject that you're looking up so like in this case it was just like how many teraflops does the ps5 have and you can click to expand like sometimes the sites it pulls that information from it's like i don't trust this at all like this very obviously is not a reputable site right or we'll just like give you answers that are completely unrelated to the question I mean, it's also like if you ever search for what the next month's PlayStation Plus games are going to be, it just brings back a bunch of crap from, for some reason, a lot of, like, Christian websites, or, like, Christian Tech News or something, and they're all just, I think, like, bot-generated articles. They're just, like, they keep cranking them out because they'll show up on Google. It's weird. It's like uh, if you get on Twitter at like six in the morning, like one of the trending topics will always be something like praise God, like weird religious shit showing up for like a half an hour and then it goes away. Sure. It's bizarre. Yeah. The only things trending should be celebrity names so I can think, oh man, did they die? And then it's like, no, it turns out they're okay. It's just somebody didn't know who Tina Fey was, I guess. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's a ray tracing, whatever, I, I don't care, I can't tell the difference Ray tracing is going to change the game That's what they say that's Ray tracing they, is going to be huge That's what they've been saying I, I don't care 
Here to talk more about ray tracing is Ray Wise. <laughs> that would be good. That's how you make a yeah, slam bang E3 conference. Last year, we had uh, Keanu Reeves. This year, Ray Wise. I mean, that's the only person they could get. It's not like anyone's going to show up thanks to the coronavirus and also lack of interest. Also, Ray Wise is immune to the coronavirus. Oh, definitely. It's just him and Vin Diesel. Yeah. God. Uh, I, I don't want to get way off topic here, but man, this E3 is going to really be something if they don't have this coronavirus thing like figured out by then, because... Like, on top of everyone just kind of not showing up to begin with, like, attendance would also just be hit really hard by that, so. That, I think attendance I'm, will mostly be hit hard by nobody being there. Yeah, but I'm, well, sure, I mean, Joff isn't there, so. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do without our Dorito uh, King? Yeah, pack it up. Game over, man. Uh no, I'm really curious to see what E3 is going to look like this year because it sounds like dismal to begin with without like a looming pandemic affecting it as well. In a way, though, I think it might be the best E3 in years. What if it returns yeah. up to the glory days of one million troops and stuff like that? Like Mr. What Caffeine. Yeah, it's just bottomed out so much that everyone just gets real fucking dumb with it this year. Yep, and Joel McHale, he's back. Yeah, there's no consequences to this when nobody is showing up to it. Yeah, dance like nobody's uh, watching. Uh, but I, I partly bring that up because apparently it's already having impacts on uh, like uh, GDC. Like I think Kojima said that he was. I don't care. Kojima probably oh. thinks it's a vocal cord parasite. He put out that Death Stranding trailer that was just made to mimic uh, 1917. Or whatever that movie is. I don't remember the name of it. I'm not seeing it. I don't know what you're talking about, but I believe that he did it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, ray tracing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and that says, The next console generation will be defined by more playing and less waiting. Uh, SSD storage, of course. Yeah. With our next generation SSD, every aspect of playing games is improved, game worlds are larger, more dynamic, load in a flash, and fast travel is just that fast. Great, sure. I mean, they, they're already doing that for PS5. That's something we brought up before, that they'll probably require proprietary drives for storage expansion, which is going to be expensive. Or at the very least, it will require SSDs, which would also be expensive. Yeah, I think all that stuff is just a gimme for this generation of consoles at this point. Like, I mean, it should be like the, the cost and, of yeah. SSDs is going down a lot. Yeah, so it's really only a matter of time. And if they plan on keeping these out here for a while, then I can see why they would do that too. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> kind of, kind of contrary to the previous entry, quick resume. The new quick resume feature lets you continue multiple games from a suspended state almost instantly, returning you to where you were and what you were doing without waiting through long loading screens. Those things we said were a thing of the past. You can skip them. Huh. So um, I could have like three games that I just like, I was done and I jumped out of it 
but it's going to like basically remember where I was and I can jump immediately back into that. Yep, it'd just be like it is now, except just not the one most recent one. Uh, I mean, I guess that doesn't matter as much to me because I tend to not play multiple new releases at the same time. I kind of just like commit myself to one. And so. Yeah, uh, I think it's good. For... I really like the sort of suspend state stuff. Yes, like I I like it too. Yeah, even though I probably don't get as much out of it as other people. Uh, dynamic latency input. Uh, this doesn't mean anything. This is garbage. HDMI 2.1 innovation. We've partnered with the HDMI for. I haven't read some of this. Or I don't remember if I did. This is garbage too. Allows Xbox One and Xbox Series X to automatically set the connected display to its lowest latency mode. Synchronizes the display's refresh rate to the game's frame rate, maintaining smooth visuals without tearing, ensuring minimal lag. Yeah, cool, you you invented V-Sync. Great. 120 (laughs) frames per second support. Will support up to 120 FPS. Allows developers to exceed standard 60 FPS output in favor of heightened realism or fast-paced action, which, great, you're one of those freaks that wants that. I can't wait for the inevitable re-release of Overwatch with guaranteed 120 frames uh, on the Xbox Series X. Oh, yeah. I mean, with Overwatch, you'd hope they're getting like 360 frames. Nope, only 120. That's all (laughs) we're supporting at this time. Yeah. You're going to so have to buy our uh, other SKU later down the line to get 360 out of it. We're going to call it the Xbox Series X 360. Well, here's the thing that I'm excited about. How you brand. Shut up. Yes, go the on. Four generations of gaming. Our commitment to compatibility means existing Xbox One games, including backward compatible Xbox 360 and original Xbox games. Look and play better than ever before. Your favorite games, including titles and Xbox Game Pass, Benefit from steadier frame rates, faster load times, improved resolution and visual fidelity, all with no developer work required. Your Xbox One gaming accessories also come forward with you. This was already known, they'd already said this, but something kind of neat here uh, they call smart delivery. This technology empowers you to buy a game once and know that whether you're playing on Xbox One or Xbox Series X, you're getting the right version of that game. Uh, it, like it's not anything mind blowing. It's just like we detect that you're on a Series X, so we're downloading the Series X version of Halo Infinite. You know, uh, yeah. And that's, that's also going good. to work for Cyberpunk 2077, which they've now said is a cross-gen game, and will work on both. Uh, so expect to hear that again when PS5 says exactly what its plan is. Hopefully yeah. this would mean that this would work with the disc copy too because it would kind of just work like uh like Xbox 1 or 360 games do where it has to read the disc and then it just downloads like the Series X version. Yeah, that's more what I would be hoping for especially out of the PlayStation 5 uh cuz I I would still probably just keep buying games on disc. Uh, because it seems like that's still kind of the cheapest option on release at this point. So 
sometimes. Yeah, with so. something like Cyberpunk, I would still hope to be able to put that in my PlayStation 5 and have it download the correct version of that. Yeah, but also at that point, like, what's the point of getting a disc? Uh, yeah... I don't know. I'm thinking like long term, like going into the PlayStation Five. How often am I going to be buying discs? Uh, versus, like, I got stuff on pre-order right now, and that's mainly the reason why. Like, I don't want to just go and cancel all that stuff because a lot of that's just since dropped to such a low price that I probably wouldn't be. Well, Xbox uh, is also way worse than the PlayStation Five about releasing discs that don't actually have anything on them. Um, yes, I put. The disc for Black Sad in my Xbox, and it installed 200 megabytes from the disc, and then downloaded the rest <laughs> of the game. So that was oh, cool. Good. Uh, uh, Xbox Game Pass, yada yada yada. They'll continue to have first-party games like Halo Infinite included at launch. Uh, good for me because I have like two and a half years of Game Pass still. So. Hey, yeah, uh, I mean, that's so cheap. You might as well. Well, yeah, like PSA for anyone who doesn't have Game Pass as looking into it, just go find some Xbox Live keys for a year. Uh, get a couple of those, and then once you put them in your account, then whenever you activate uh, Game Pass Ultimate through like one of the dollar trials or whatever, it just converts every thing you had into game pass and so i got like two and a half years for like a little over a hundred dollars so it's a good deal good times yeah uh-huh. now i got a pc so I, I paid like a buck and i got three months of that which yeah. is pretty good yeah uh well yeah game pass ultimate works on both too like i just used the pc one to play ape out which is on the PC one. That's a good game. You're always aping out. Everybody says that about you. That's true. It's too bad they didn't play it last year. It definitely would have appeared in best soundtracks. Uh, anyway, a generation with players at the center, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. So that's like most of the news. <laughs> There's 12 teraflops, the backwards compatibility stuff, uh, ray tracing. Thank you, Phil Spencer. Yeah, and a lot of this stuff sounds like things you could expect out of the PlayStation 5 anyway. It just sure would be nice if Sony actually came out and confirmed any of it. Uh, well, sure. I'm still just waiting on the price for that thing, because kind of regardless, I'm I'm fairly committed to getting a PlayStation 5 at this point, because, again, I've brought it up before, NVIDIA just is not announcing anything that is in the least bit interesting to me <sighs> yeah, at this I know. point. You bring it up every um, episode. <laughs> I do, because it is it is the thing that is just pushing me into the PlayStation 5. But on top of that, like, the fact that most Microsoft exclusives I could just get on the PC anyway, and there are very few of those that would drive me towards a Xbox Series X, even if I couldn't run them on my PC. So PlayStation 5 at this point is mostly just, I'm going to get good performance out of it, and there are going to be exclusive games that I actually care about. Uh, I just, I need... Give me the price. Put the pre-order up. Let me put my money towards it now and just get this over with. Actually, the thing I get the most use out of the Xbox with is Game Pass. Like, There's a lot of good stuff on there, and I like being able to just download something and mess around with it, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Uh, Phoenix Point, it turns out, not great. 
but now I know, and I didn't have to pay any money for it. Uh, See, I think that... So this generation, I did not bother with the Xbox One at all, because, again, at a certain point, they just said, hey, everything that you could get on this console over the PlayStation is going to be available on the PC as well. So there was no no reason for me to, because I could run everything perfectly fine. But if I'm just not going to upgrade my video card at any point, really, during this next generation... I can see myself getting a Series X down the line. Like, when they're cheaper, and then I can go get a bunch of these games for, like, next to nothing. Yeah. And then, yeah, just, like, use Game Pass. But, like, that, like I'm still interested in it, because I do think that this might be the generation that gets me back into Xbox just a lot later down the line than long. I mean, I got an Xbox One relatively close to when they came out, and there were very few games for it, and so I ended up just selling it. But a couple of years ago, I got an Xbox One X because they were pretty cheap, uh, and it plays 4K Blu-rays. It ends up being the cheapest 4K Blu-ray player on the market. Well, the Xbox One S actually plays it too. Um, but I I didn't want that, so that's why I ended up with one. But I have been satisfied with it. Like past that, they've done a lot of work. The UI is way better than it used to be. It's still not ideal. It's too laggy, I think. But it's a whole lot better than it was at launch. Now for our next bit of news. George, tell me about Larry. The profits. Uh hmm. The Gamma Quadrant. Uh yeah, so I, I know that, like, the the rules of acquisition, right? So they state that, like, all women's, they gotta be naked. But yeah, that's why you're such a strict adherent to them. Oh, oh definitely. Uh, and then, of course, it's okay to, you know, sell your own family out uh, if the profits are good enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, always be trying to kill the Grand Negus. Well, yes, if it benefits you. Yeah, but I'm not sure exactly wanna... which uh, rule of acquisition that is, because there's a lot of them. 420. <laughs> Good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been watching Deep Space Nine. Is that the news? Yes. <laughs> That's the news that we it have? Is. Okay, I thought we were saving this to the end of the episode, so anyone who wanted to skip Star Trek talk... Too bad. Just the the only thing after this is a game that I also think will not have much to say about. Oh, well, that's the thing, is we would have got through it very quickly. But okay, Star Trek. All right, right, great, here's the game. What is it? Nope, talking about Star Trek. Too late, we started this, we can't stop it now. I don't know what that is, but we're going to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, so I finally caved and began watching Deep Space Nine. Uh, because a lot of uh, Gold Ducat-related videos ended up in my YouTube feed, and I have no idea why. Possibly because a friend of mine keeps linking me videos of Cisco doing, like, war crimes. (laughs) (laughs) So YouTube YouTube decided I like Star Trek. Yeah, I just sent you, like, hey, here's a video of Cisco hitting a bag and yelling. (laughs) Yeah, or, like, making a planet uninhabitable because he felt slighted by someone. Well, no, it was a gambit. It worked. Oh, sure. Um... 
So yeah, I, I started watching like a lot of just out of context clips of Deep Space Nine and kind of thinking like, eh, maybe I should give this a shot because the two episodes that we watched when we did Stand and Deliver, like I thought one of those was really good and the other one was just kind of okay. Uh, Which is weird but, to me still. Well, so that, I, I think now if I if I sit down and watch that again, I would like it more because I have a better understanding of the interpersonal relationship. So for context, uh, back when we were doing a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcast and they ran out of episodes near the end, we had to find ways to fill in every week. And so one week, we just watched uh, some Star Trek, and the episodes I had picked were Civil Defense, the Attention Bajoran Workers episode, and Little Green Men, where the Ferengi uh, time traveled back to Roswell, New Mexico in the 40s. And so that's why you were talking about civil defense that you didn't really like, but you had a good time with Little Green Men because the Ferengi are wacky. Yeah, that was a good, fun, wacky-ass episode. Odo uh, turned into a dog. That's right. Odo's a good boy. Uh, <laughs> sure, our favorite little smooth boy. There's a, there's a bit in this where Odo explains that the reason he looks funny is he's just not good with faces. Yep. Uh, so I thought that all the shapeshifters would just be smooth people. Um, but this makes me want to see him actually transform into, like, uh, you know, Cardassians. Because I want to see, like, a really smooth Cardassian. Yeah, that is kind of the weird thing is he's like... I look like this because I'm not good at mimicking human faces. Odo kind of sounds a lot like Richard Nixon, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. But, um, Who definitely did not have a smooth face. No. His skin was just <laughs> no. slopping off of him. Uh, but the you do see other changelings, and they also have smooth faces, so I don't know what the deal is with that. Oh, okay. Uh, that, there was an episode that I actually thought was going to go into the whole changeling thing. Uh, in fact, where like O'Brien wakes up and nobody's acting right, oh, and he can't figure rules. out why. Yeah, and I was I was like, this is going to end with it being like, oh, the changelings have uh, infiltrated uh, the command of Deep Space Nine, and like O'Brien is the only one left because they need to get like knowledge out of him about like these security measures against some sort of alien species they want to fuck with. Uh, turns out not the case. Like the actual twist in that episode is still really good. Which was that somebody made like an artificial O'Brien to act as an assassin unit, uh, but that ended up thinking that it was the real O'Brien because the replica was just too good. Yeah, that episode's great. Uh, I like O'Brien episodes so in general. Like they're almost all good. I found O'Brien to be like really boring at the very start of the show, but yeah, now that I've gotten into more episodes that he's actually doing stuff and j instead of just like eating a sandwich in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yes he's good I mean uh, I, I do like how Yeah O'Brien just All the worst stuff happens to him And he doesn't really do anything to deserve it either Like he's kind of racist sometimes He dies sometimes. In, the, in an episode He's just dead Yes yes so yeah I love that From that point on It's not actually original O'Brien It's O'Brien from a few minutes in the future Or whatever That just took his place Oh man. Um Yeah, I, I like the Odo stuff. I I still like that he can like turn into anything but mostly just turns into like chairs and spinning tops and rats instead of like actual other humanoids, which seems like it would be much more useful. 
Yeah, I don't think that he ever turns into a humanoid. He turns into a bird once. I know, of course, as mentioned, he turns into that dog. There's one part where, as part of a sting operation, he turns into, like, a a bag. Yeah. uh, Don't put anything into that bag. Oh. Oh, God. (laughs) There's a... There was some sort of thing that they did where, like, he turned into multiple things at once. I can't remember exactly what it was. But then that got me wondering, like, okay, so is Odo's consciousness split between all these individual objects now? Or is it effectively, like, making a dozen different Odos at once? What happens if, like, Odo turns back into himself, but, like, a little portion of himself is still the other thing? Could that, like, grow up into a regular-sized Odo over time? All right, so you've so seen Army of Darkness. Yes. Remember the bits with the mini ashes? Absolutely. It's just like that. Oh, man, yes. I want a bunch of, like, cackling cartoon Odos. <laughs> That's right. Stabbing him with forks. <laughs> but then see one of them, like, gets into a somebody's shoulder and then, like, splits <gasps> off and then becomes evil Odo. I just thought of something when they're stabbing they're stabbing him with like forks and stuff. The fork could be another mini Odo that turned into a fork. <laughs> the script writes itself. <sighs> I need to get on this. I have a script I need to submit to CBS Hall Access. Uh Bless Odo. Oh, the actor for Odo's dead. Never mind. I guess I'm not gonna bother doing this. That's right. The great Rene Aubergenois lost yeah. him, unfortunately. Uh, of MASH fame and like pretty much every Robert Altman movie actually oh. uh, but right now I am up to uh, the, the Marquis episodes Marquis. Uh, I'm on Marquis uh, I finished the first part uh, but I did not get the chance to watch the second one I thought we were recording this uh, tomorrow actually so I was planning to get that done but oops it's fine um, yeah it's well that episode is also just kind of not super great, I guess. Uh, there were stretches of it that I was just kind of bored by, even though it's got a lot of gold ducat in it, which is a good thing. Uh, I really like the Maki two-parter. That's like one of the few two-parters I actually liked. The rest I just find dull. Yeah. Uh, so, at this point, that's like, uh, it's most of the way through season two, right? Yes, I'm like towards the end of season two. I think there's maybe four episodes left. Okay, rank ranking of Deep Space Nine characters. Here we go. No oh boy. Okay. Well, number one is Odo. Obviously. Mm. Yeah. You already lost me. Odo. Look, the the fact that Odo turned into a dog, I think, is very appropriate because Odo is extremely loyal. Uh, Odo wants to always do the right thing. Odo is a very good boy, and I appreciate Odo. Odo's also uh, kind of a fascist be... jerk. Well, we're not. One of the things about Star Trek is that we're not perfect, Larry. I know that. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's about humanizing the cop. Yes. You know, some of us are prone to authoritarian tendencies. Hey, I believe but... they say 30% of society, but. <laughs> Goo lives matter. <laughs> That's right. That's the episode title. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> uh, there was this bit in like uh the the M- McQuay episode that I just got done watching where like 
Odo's all, this wouldn't have happened if you let me hire 50 more officers and have total control over the station and, and, and do a curfew and do whatever I please. Which is yeah. like, damn, Odo. Uh, okay. No, I like Odo a lot. Number two is Quark. Uh, the polar opposite of Odo, which <laughs> means they work real good together whenever they're sharing scenes, which is often... The anti-Odo. Uh, yes. Uh, one of the things I like about Quark, too, is that apparently women are way into Quark. Well, I think there it was pays the... for a lot of them. Look, there was the Ferengi woman, uh, that which that makes some amount of sense, because he is uh, a very profitable Ferengi, and that, that is what they place above all else. So uh, for I, now. I get that he would be desirable uh, sure. among those of his own race. Uh, there was the Cardassian woman. Uh, who was, like, in love with him, and he was actually in love with her, uh, which I found very surprising, because uh, yeah. I don't think that they really established enough to sell me on that relationship. Um, and then uh, in the Marquis episode, uh, there's the Vulcan woman who, like, seems extremely disinterested, but, like, at the end of that first episode, seemed like she was kind of coming around. It's because that speech he gives about the economy of war, one of the all-time yeah. classic scenes. So, I don't know what's up with uh, them in the second season making Quark desirable, but I'm into it. I like it. It's goofy enough because Quark looks like a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> um, eh, well, don't worry. It won't last too long. Mm. Well, I, I vaguely remember by, by the time that they do the... Uh, Little Green Men episode, like, it seems that he's more down on his luck than he is uh, right now. Yeah, like, right it, now he's R Rom has doing... the upward mobility of the two of them. Yeah. Uh, God, who's my, my third favorite? Uh, probably Kira. I think that she's one of the characters that actually has the most depth to her so Kira far. Kira number one, I say. Uh, Kira's great. I think the thing that's kind of pulling me down on her is this weird romance that she has going on with uh, alien Ray Fines, Ralph Fines. My my bad. I'm still thinking <laughs> about ray tracing. No, you were right. It's Ray Fines. That's how it's pronounced. Um, what is? Okay. Yes. For for some reason, it looks like Ralph Fiennes, but is pronounced Ray Fines. I don't know. Okay. Um, but mm. yes, he really sucks. Uh, he's so boring. Yes. Like he's got. Every line he delivers is extremely flat. Uh, it, it it feels like he's reading off the script for the first time whenever he has to say something. Did you know uh, he, they they made an action figure of Vedic Burial? Has no joints, uh, zero articulation <laughs> on this action figure. It's like one of those really crappy old Star Wars ones, actually. <laughs> the the Kenner figures. Yeah. Oh man. Uh. I like, by the way, I, I don't want to get off with uh, Star Trek here. I started watching uh, The Toys That Made Us as well. And one of the things I liked in the Star Wars episode is how they said that, like, the new line of toys is intentionally trying to, like, capture some of the style of the Kenner lines of toys so they can sort of fit in with those. And it's like, fucking why, though? They looked terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't want to buy an action figure that looked like it crawled out of the 1970s. Yeah, Luke with his weird, like, spiky lightsaber. God, yeah. Oh, I, terrible. I, I insist that there are basically no good uh, one 
112 scale Star Wars figures like at all. I think they all look varying degrees of bad. Yep. Good stuff in the uh, on six scale. If you want to like drop damn near three hundred dollars, which you should not do, and I say that as someone who did it. Hey, uh, there are some eight inch Yakuza figures, uh, like Ooh. uh, Kiryu and Majima. Surprisingly, yeah. they're just like a. I think they're a hundred dollars or so, with like a cloth and fabric and everything. They look pretty good. I'm surprised they're that cheap, but. Uh, eight inches, you said. Yeah. Uh, that, based on how much I've kind of dug into like uh, figures with actual like soft goods on them, that sounds about right. Well, but that is basically one six scale, considering they're Japanese. So they would be like what four feet tall. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so you know. Uh, now I kind of figured Kazuma had like a JoJo's thing going on where it was just like, oh, this man is extremely tall. Well, yeah, okay. But yeah, like in the, so in he, the games, he might be six he feet. Sure, yeah, yeah. He just towers yeah. over everybody else. It's like Bill Murray in the elevator in Lost in Translation. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, a lot of one uh, twelfth uh, scale figures with uh, soft goods also end up being around about a hundred bucks. At least the ones that also like don't look like absolute shit, because there are definitely like figures with soft goods that are uh, just much more Stop cheap. Stop saying made soft goods. Them. That's what they're called. <laughs> That's what you would refer to them as. Sounds so bad. But the exception to that being like uh, some of the NECA figures in that scale also do that and are much cheaper and look really good, like I the Raphael want, that yes. they have coming out. I want that wrath. Yeah, the damn variant where <laughs> yeah. he has the term fedora. Oh, uh, that's good. Uh, I, I was talking to you about how I need to scale back on like buying action figures, but I'm absolutely going to pick up that Raphael and probably like sell the other one that I have. It's messed up how it's uh, like Walmart exclusive. It is, but it also like to me means that there's maybe a better chance of me getting it because there's multiple Walmart here as opposed to like the one GameStop we have. Not here. I've I got sick of waiting for my pre-order for Nightwing to come in from Big Bad Toy Store, so I decided to go out to Walmart and check. And the only things they have there are the Batman and the Superman. Cuz they're a bunch of normies. Yeah, they look really bad too. No. Uh, the animated series ones are pretty good. Uh, so Kira, my <laughs> I like how you have this elitism sure. against these toys because you are spending a hundred and twenty dollars on all McFarland toys look fucking terrible to me. No, uh, I just don't think they look good at all. No, there's there is stuff in that DC line that I think actually looks pretty good, like that Nightwing that you showed me is great. Uh, yeah, the, the Batman's and the Superman's that they've been putting out of that line, I think, all look not good at all. Uh, the the animated series ones, like, visually they look fine, but then, like, I've seen how their joints and stuff move, and it seems fucked up how they've handled that stuff. I don't care. It's on, like, a weird swivel instead of being, like, an actual joint. I don't care. I hate it. I hate how they look. Anyway. Yeah, because you... Kira. Right, whatever. Kira. Vedaboreil. Yes. Bad. Uh, Kira has yes, a history Adam, of... Yeah bad decisions with her romantic interests because later there's a different guy who also really sucks and is boring 
I don't know if she ever finds anybody tolerable. Cork is right there. <laughs> He'll never Waiting happen. and willing. Just He's like, in the wings. So have you gotten to the one with her and Odo yet? Oh no, what? <laughs> well, you had said to me in the chat, you were like, she yeah, just needs to, to be with up. Odo. And I said yeah. that there is an episode that's specifically a response to people wanting that and just being like, nope, not gonna happen. Well, and so I was good, because if you, got you to should that. not acquiesce to my Star Trek demands. They're all terrible. Right. We don't need Kira Odo shipping. Uh, well, it's also over here shipping Dax. I'm shipping Dax and Quark together because, like, Dax seems into the whole Ferengi culture in a way that I was not anticipating earlier in this. Dax. She's my number four. Dax, for some reason, has a history of gaslighting Rom. I don't know why. No. She keeps doing it. Rom is a sweet, simple child. Don't do that to him. He is, but I just saw another episode where, all right, spoilers, Rom is going to get married. And he goes to Jedzia, and she's just like, hmm, I don't know. Do you think maybe she wants your money <laughs> or something? And, it, of course, it puts doubt on the thing, and then Rom, like, ends up canceling it. It's a whole thing. It, it turns out fine, but it's just weird. She has a history of doing this. Mm. But, yes, I, she she knows I, how to play Dabo and whatever this yeah. other Ferengi card game is that, like, involves buying and selling things. Capitalism makes sense to her uh, in a world that, or a universe rather, that seems to have largely pushed away from capitalism. Sure. Uh, well, you know, she's had uh, eight lifetimes or whatever in various hosts. Yeah. So I was going to say, not maybe not necessarily a great quality, uh, but I do like that the, the whole, you know, she's eight generations deep, and they they make good on that in some interesting ways, like. But that episode where the guy wants to rip the parasite out of her and put it into him, I thought that was... Oh yeah, John Glover. Yeah. Daniel Clamp himself. Yeah. Uh, and it, like the end of that of her kind of like crying and saying she can still remember everything from him inside of her. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like a lot of the Dax stuff. Uh, the Trill in general are very interesting to me. I feel like um, Dax... A lot of that kind of, yeah, that episode is good, but a lot of it doesn't really get too far into it. Mostly, it's just preoccupied with Curzon Dax and the stuff related to him, like his bros yeah. with the Klingons, which I yes. guess makes sense because it was the previous host, so it's the one Cisco knows and why he always says "old man" at her. Yeah, um, the most people. People who are alive at that point in time would be more familiar with that one because, like, he was... They, oh God, they said he was, like, what, 80 or something when he passed? Yeah. And I just watched another one that was about her and Worf uh, going on a vessel, like a Klingon vessel, a bird of prey, on a mission with a uh, General Martok, who they just rescued from a... Uh, oh, Dominion Prison. I was gonna say Cardassian, but it actually wasn't. It was Dominion. Uh, and so speaking of what Cardassians, yeah, I thought you were my, gonna say number. speak of Dominions. It's funny that the Dominion gets name dropped fairly early. 
that episode where Quark was going to sell the wine or whatever. Do you remember that? A little bit, yeah. Uh, Well, the people he goes to meet, like, mention the Dominion there, even though they won't actually show up for quite a while. It's neat. Um, Speaking of Cardassians, though, my number five, Garrick. Simple, plain, ordinary Garrick. Uh, I really like him. Regular Taylor. Yeah. I really, really like Garrick, how he is still very much this uh, Cardassian loyalist, but has been, like, banished and can't get back. And so everyone just assumes that he's, like, actually a spy, which he probably isn't. Uh, but he's still willing willing to sell everybody out if he gets the opportunity to. So he's, like, very affable with everybody, but also, like, he will throw them under the fucking bus the first chance he gets. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of Garrick. Uh, he's fine. I'm coming around on him I, now. I also just really like the uh, kind of romance that they were trying to push towards with uh, him and Bashir that, from my understanding, does not actually pan out because you couldn't show gays on TV at that <laughs> no, point in time. of course not. <laughs> Rick Berman had some issues with that. Rick uh, Berman? Why is it yeah. with Rick's? I don't know if this actually checks out, but from what I heard, Garrick gets a female love interest at some point, and uh, that sounds fucking lame. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, the part I'm at, there is a lady Cardassian who's into him, and he's just kind of like, <laughs> no. So, I don't know, maybe it, it does pan out further, but uh, he only Please, has eyes for Bashir. perfectly good doctor right here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Think I'm going to leave a doctor for some broad? Yeah. Get out of here. Get get out of my shop. Like Bashir in particular is a character that's gotten a lot better over time. Uh, he's developed a whole lot at the point I'm at. I hope. I hope so because the the point I'm at right now, I'm still not into him too much. Uh, I I really don't appreciate the fact that Bashir is a absolute dunce despite <laughs> being a doctor. Like. Speaking of Garrick, there was this whole uh, bit in like an early episode where Garrick very obviously wants uh, Bashir's help on getting to the bottom of some conspiracy, and so he's encouraging him to come into a shop at a very specific point in time, it's like 10.20 p.m. or something, to try on a new suit, and Bashir just does not fucking get it at all. Yeah. And like has to go to Commander Sisko and just be like, Oh, gosh, I don't know why Garrick wants me to come over at 10 tonight. <laughs> yeah, Bashir is, uh, for some reason, very stupid early on. Uh, oh, yeah. But I, I like his team-ups with O'Brien. Uh, you've seen yes. that one where they end up stranded on the planet. Uh, yeah. That O'Brien one was yelling really at him a lot uh, gave <laughs> me energy. Yeah, that was good. Uh... And yes, you'd mentioned after seeing that episode that it's weird how the aliens on that planet, it seems like they are being set up for something in the future. And I told you, like, yeah, no, they aren't. I don't think they ever show up again. Bizarre to me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, number number six, actually, I would say, is uh, Chief O'Brien. Yeah. I I can see him moving further up this list over time because uh, when I started, I did not like him at all. Uh, where I'm at now, I think that they've made him a much more interesting character already. Uh, very family-oriented. Yeah, he's got some racist tendencies, but don't we all? 
It's Star Trek. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, you know, it's the bit where he's like, uh, Cardassians can't be nice. It's been bred out of them or whatever. Personally, I know I can't stand Vulcans, but, you know, teach their own. Yeah. We've, we've all got our faults. Vulcans just have more than many. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, I really liked the... Uh, that episode with the whole like bioweapon thing the the thing that i really liked in that was seeing the security footage uh that was doctored and his wife going like it's five in the afternoon when this took place and he's drinking coffee he would never do that that it would keep him up all night i know my husband and then at the end of the episode it's like five at night and he's making coffee and he's like no i drink this shit all the time <laughs> I like Keiko And then, a like, lot. the next O'Brien episode that they do, which is the one where, like, everyone is acting funny and he needs to get to the bottom of it, he's knocking back coffee constantly in that episode, mm-hmm. just repeatedly shouting, Jamaican blend, double sweet, to the <laughs> replicator. Rectachino, double. Yeah, it's... Uh, but yeah, speaking of, I do like Keiko... A lot of people seem to have issues with her, yeah. which I don't really understand. I think it's just like nagging wife or something, which really she's not. She also disappears no, for long stretches of time. She's actually uh, very proactive. Uh, what with that whole episode where she's defending like her teaching curriculum, and then of course trying to like bring it to everyone's attention that something is up with that footage of O'Brien. Yeah. Also, uh, the Bajorans bad. Like almost every yes. time they show up, it's like, oh man, here's Kai Wen again, here to crap everything up. Yeah, hey, let's start a cult. I don't know, whatever. Kai Wen is like one of the most hateable people I've ever seen on TV. Good for her. Kai Wen. Okay, I was gonna, cause I'm I've been going through these pretty fast clips, so sometimes the names of like the more alien names kind of get lost on me. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure she was the one that showed up and was just like, actually, you should be teaching about God in school. Yep. Kai Wen is the and replacement then... for the Kai, the Kai Opaka, who was the one that died okay. on the planet with a barbarian Jonathan Banks. Just, we all know, was who invented the Kaioken technique. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. later... Queen Kai. ...got to Goku during the uh, Saiyan arc. Uh-huh. <sighs> Number seven, uh, Vegeta. Yeah. Um, I think my number seven is probably a good old Commander Cisco. I like how he's just fucking mad all the time. <laughs> There's like almost every episode has a great line reading from Avery Brooks where he just goes over yes. the top with it. There's so a recent one I saw uh, was about Quark and he was selling weapons on Deep Space Nine, which was not great, but they couldn't do anything about it. Because he was technically skirting the rules and not actually keeping weapons there. But anyway, that whole thing ends and they call him into the office. I'm sorry, it's just in the back. It's like tied to the side of the hole of the Deep Space Nine with some rope. So yeah, technically I'm not storing them in Deep Space Nine, so you can't do anything about it. It's actually, it's a pretty good solution to that, that they find a way around it, but... He's in Cisco's guns written on the side of the back. <laughs> he's in Cisco's office, and he's like, "Well, I guess that whole thing just blew over. We don't have to worry about that anymore." And I don't remember what the exact exchange is, 
but it ends with Cisco like leaning forward and then he just goes works for me like in that exact tone <laughs> it's so weird I don't oh, know man. where that came from but yes uh, Cisco is good Avery Brooks is amazing yeah. I especially respect how he has no interest in doing anything with Star Trek he did that show and then one video game and then was like nope no more yeah I mean if you if you have to say words like Bajorans and Cardassians all the time and actually do it with some amount of like self-seriousness I bet that would take its toll on you was he a changeling no he was just a man and he tricked me said Cisco. <laughs> Uh, my number eight character would be Gold Dukat, who probably should be further up on this uh, list, but I feel like at this point there is not as much of him as there likely would. Yeah. I'm not sure how many episodes he's in total, but it's a pretty good chunk. So far he's mostly just showed up on like video phone every now and then and very clearly is plotting things, uh, but acting in a way that gives him enough plausible deniability that he can worm out of it if it kind of goes pear-shaped on him. Yeah, uh, I think right now you haven't good. really gotten to the He's point good... where they're like Dukat-focused episodes, right? Yeah, so like he's actually showing up and is uh, in kind of a buddy cop situation with Cisco now, which is extremely good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he seems like a good mustache-twirling villain, of very, very overtly evil. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's not I mean, good. But so far, I would say he is. He has some of the most depth of the characters on display. He stole too. a guy's kid and put it in a Bajoran <laughs> orphanage just so he could drag that kid out later and fuck up the dude's career. Well, yeah, you know. And then when he got called out on it, he just stood up and walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Adam Driver in an NPR interview. <laughs> That's right. How dare you ask me about this kid? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, you know what? Hmm. I just had a moment where I was like, maybe Goldicott should be in uh, Cisco's place and flip Cisco into number eight. But I, I don't know. Every book, Brooks is also extremely good. Yeah, but, you know, Mark Alimo is no slouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, look at the size of that guy's neck. Tied. Oh yeah, he was born wants, to play a Cardassian neck trick. I don't even know what that is, but yeah, they had Odo doing it for a long time, so it must have been good. <laughs> uh, number nine, Rom. Yeah. Rom is. Uh, I know that Rom it gets a lot more involved in like the episode-by-episode episode plot of the show uh, later on. Uh, right now, he's he's not as central to anything, but he's still Rom, he's still great, he's still a goofy-ass motherfucker. Yeah, it's weird. Like, at the point I'm at, Rom and Nog are kind of more central to the story than Quark is. Hmm. Yeah, I was actually surprised by just how much Quark there is in this show. Like... Oh, yeah. It must have been that he was an early fan favorite because there's certainly a lot of uh, Quark-centric episodes. Well, he showed up on TNG, I think, before DS9 started. Ah, I did not know that. 
I think. Um, I mean, for that for that matter, you kind of broke it to me that these were on around the same time, because uh, I thought TNG actually wrapped before DS9 came out. No, it was uh, yeah, when Worf comes over, and I think season five, maybe four, I forget. Like that was after TNG had just ended. Yeah, because I know Picard shows up in the first episode of yes. DS9, which is good because uh, Borg Picard. Uh, what 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 is his name when he's? I don't remember. Lakuda, Lakutus, Lakutus. Yes, Lakutus McEvil. Lakutus McEvil. Tell me what's yeah. your name? Uh, he blows up Cisco's wife, and so then Cisco has to go have this meeting with him, and he's very upset. And just kind of alludes to like, yeah, no, we met in battle, you dick. <laughs> and like Picard just kind of has a moment where he gets it without anything needing to be said. It's really good. It's a really great moment early on. Yeah, I really like that about Cisco that he has this grudge against Picard because he was a Borg for about five minutes. And just yeah. like while he was, his wife got exploded. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd be mad about it too. But like that first uh, two it's about the length of like a two part like that opening episode's probably about an hour and a half long or something yeah but, that, uh, it was a two part episode it's just for some reason yeah, like listed as one on Netflix yeah uh, th- there's definitely some boring uh, stretches in that but uh, th- when it gets into the stuff where like he's kind of talking to the time people the prophets or whatever Ugh. inside the wormhole I, I like the bit where they kind of kept going back to the point of his wife dying and being like, okay, well, if time is linear, why do you keep existing here? Yeah, that's fine. But then when he's like, yeah. you see, time is like baseball. Yes. With... No, there's definitely very dumb, bad stuff in that and yeah. very boring stuff in that. But Cisco, I think that it's the main point of that scene of, of being like, okay, well, your perception of time is this way, but also it's absolutely not because you're just kind of stuck in this one moment. Like, is a, a very good early character moment for Cisco that I liked a lot. Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the prophets experiencing time non-linearly is apparently a, a major through line. Uh, important later, I guess. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. I, I remember it came up in one episode I saw, so. Uh, but yeah, I, I like how Cisco is the chosen one now just because he happened <laughs> yeah. to be on the first ship that like happened to go yeah. through the wormhole. And he's not into it because of course he's Cisco, he's not into anything. So he kinda <laughs> there's an episode later where he starts having these visions and he actually does become like the prophet of Bajor and everything. Oh. It, it's weird. Man. Uh, okay, trying to think of who my number 10 is Because I feel like I've also kind of ran through most of the characters of Deep Space Nine Who Jake. aren't actually just terrible Huh? What about Jake? No, he, he he's like the worst I know <laughs> he He's really the is. least best He's this like 6 foot tall 12 year old boy who just has all the problems of a 12-year-old boy, which in the context of Star Trek, of these of these people from different alien Trek. races... What? Nothing. Keep going. Like, 
his incredibly painfully ordinary problems are extremely boring when you consider like everything that everyone else has going on. Yeah. Like the thing later with him is like, like, I want to be a writer. I'm going to write these books. uh, Dad, read my books. And he reads uh, everything that you ever hear from his book. It's like that part in the Sopranos where, uh, was it? Christopher, he wants to be a movie writer. And every time you see a bit of his movie script, it's the worst thing in the world. It's the same thing with Jake and his books. Perfect. Yeah, Jake is just incredibly uninteresting to me at this point. I guess like my number 10 would probably be Bashir. I I still have a lot of issues with Bashir as a character, but I can kind of see that they're they're putting in some work to like growing his character over time. Mhm. Like I I could see him going into some interesting places as the series gets further along. It's not there yet and I still generally don't like him, but hey, what are you going to do? I need 10 characters. Alright, here are my rankings where I'm at. Number one, Kira. Number two, O'Brien. Number three, Gold Ducat. Number four, uh, Quirk. Number five, Odo. Number six, Cisco. Number seven, Jadzia Dax. Number eight, Bashir. Number nine, Nog. No, Rom. Nah. Eh, I'll just put Rom and Nog in the same slot, whatever. Uh after that number ten uh Ah, Garrick, I guess. Who I, else is left? I'd like to make a an edit to my list. The important thing is Jake and Worf are at the bottom, because they're the worst. Yes. I'd like to make a small edit to my list, something that I had not considered. Uh Rom is now in the tenth spot. Bashir is off the list. Number eight is the Grand Nagus. <laughs> well, I he's, feel he's like... low on the list because he's only in like a couple of episodes, but damn, is he good. Yes, but I feel like if you're ranking characters, it should only be like recurring ones. He but... recurs? He's in two episodes. <laughs> yeah, he appears like once per season. Okay. That's yeah, not really that is recurring. Enough. That's a guest star. No. Eh. Gold Ducat is recurring. Grand Nagus is a guest. I really like how in that in that first episode they think he dies and it's just he actually was asleep and so everyone (laughs) else just like moves on. They like hold a funeral for him and everything. Here's the thing that's like fucked up to me. Maybe they explained this in the episode and I forgot, but they say that like when a Ferengi dies, they like basically they sell portions of their ashes to people as like a a uh, as like a little trinket, as a, like a little promotional piece. Yeah. To remember them by. Who the fuck did they boil down into Ferengi goop if the Nagus was alive? I don't know. It's a good point. I don't think they ever resolved that. And so like it had to have been somebody, but then also I really like this like kind of unspoken thing that's that's in that, that the Nagus's son was selling counterfeit body parts yeah. of his father so he could make extra money. Yep, it's like uh when they were selling that uh the ink with Stanley's blood in it or whatever it was. Oh god, it's exactly like that. <sighs> we signed this comic with the Negus's blood. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. God. R.I.P. Stanley. <laughs> You're finally free of Kia Morgan. 
Yeah. Who uh, allegedly was abusing you for With years. Jack Kirby in the clouds now, Stanley. They're just going to keep fighting each other for eternity. Oh, sure. Good thing Vince Coletta is not in heaven. Yeah. Anyway. Along with uh, Didio, who's not even with DC anymore. <laughs> Dan Didio died a uh, living death, it's called. Being fired. Yeah. I actually yeah. don't know if he like, left uh, willingly or Yeah, what. so far I'm like really enjoying Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm curious to kind of see where it, where it ends up going in the, in the long term, because I didn't realize it was also like seven seasons long. I thought the DS9 was more short-lived than that. No, no. But this, this is like the most approachable Star Trek for me, at least. Um, I tried to watch the original series; not good. I don't think it holds no. up at all. Uh, I can, I can get why a lot of very old people might be into it. Uh, Next Generation, I also kind of just find to be very dull. I'll find There's out. Like I'm gonna try watching it, it. That seem okay, but I've, every time I've tried to actually sit down and watch it, it's not been great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. DS Nine is uh, Fun. it's it's raw, man. It's real. These are real problems yeah. they're having. Shit goes down on the promenade. You do not want to be there at <laughs> night. You know what I mean? That's right. You don't know what they're gonna do in those runabouts. Yeah, a school might get fucking bombed, man. <laughs> Someone's going to just assassinate someone on the promenade, like shooting Ronald Reagan. <sighs> like, actually, when you sit down and think about it, even within the like scope of the first two seasons, like, man, DS9 is not a good place to be. Like, you do no. not want to raise a family on DS9. Ain't the kind of place to raise a kid. That's no, what Elton John was not. talking about. Yeah, I'm really what, worried about Jake and Nock. I mean, like no wonder though. Like the they, when that series starts, they basically just took it over. Like the uh, Cardassian and Bajoran occupation, like just ended, and so yeah. things are still hot. Like they're yeah. When they even do the flashbacks, in, like everything about that station looks even worse. Like the lighting is different. Yeah, Kira like has long hair, which is horrible. Yes. Um, yes, it is. But yeah, like there are points where they're going to rescue Bajoran work uh, prisoners of war, still being held on uh, Cardassia or whatever, because it's a recent thing. <sighs> you know, war. That was it's the one where they uh, saved Ben Horn. Yes, and like he takes uh, Kira's place for like what three episodes? Yeah, yeah, and he like tries to tell everyone that he's not actually a war hero, and they're like, "No, shut (laughs) up." Yeah, even even Cisco's just like, "Well, too bad." Yeah, this is the role you have to fill now. Like he gets pressured into this, and then like at some point it comes out that he's like, "Well, death at this point would be the only release for me," and he finally gets his wish. Yeah. And still seems every bit as into dying to get out of this as he did, like when he first talked to Cisco about it. I did really like that arc, though, because at first I was like, "Oh, okay, he's just like a scammer who's convinced everyone he's a hero," and that's like, "Oh no, he does not want people to think he is." And that bit was good. Yeah. 
And then he yeah, got at first really you think that he's into be like Ben Horn, but then yeah, yeah. He well, he still gets way into Civil War reenactments, which is weird. <laughs> sure. Nog is there wearing an Indian headdress and just screaming. That's right. Well, Rom brings him that cheese pig. That's a good part. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more DS9, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it some more at a uh, later date. Okay. That's uh, the state of DS9 at the moment. Yeah. Pretty, pretty all right. Yeah. You're burning through it quick, though. I feel like you're going to catch up to where I am. Like in two weeks, uh, if I do, I'll kind of pump the brakes a little bit. But but yeah, I uh, some stuff going on with the uh, schedule changes that's going to make it harder for me to watch things like this. So that's part of why I'm trying to just get through as much of it as I can uh, right now. So well, you're coming up on season three, and that's the best one. And so I could also see you getting through that pretty quick because you'd be like, I want to watch the next. Uh, but distinct then, possibility. Uh, four and five years. Eh, that's a little iffy. Hmm. Uh, I've been doing other things uh, to fill my time besides what? watching uh, DS9 and the Computer Chronicles. Uh, I have been playing more video games, so I can keep this section of the podcast going. Uh, I've been playing uh, quite a bit of stuff that's not done yet that we'll talk about in future weeks, in particular uh, Shining Force CD. Uh played a Fire Emblem game, guess what? You've played Shining Force. Yep. And uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, which I'm going to save for Oof. a moment in time where I feel much more comfortable getting mad about video games. <laughs> but I'm very close to being done with those. Um, um, this man. week I'm going to talk about something that uh, also is on the Nintendo 64, also is a little bit frustrating, but uh, that I actually had a pretty alright time with uh, Pokemon Stadium. Okay. Actually, I believe I bought this game from you. Uh, I was very surprised to find that the uh, label on the front of the cartridge doesn't have anyone's name written in it, so thank you for that. Yep. I never wrote my name on stuff like that. I would occasionally put uh, an initial on it in marker on the actual cart part of it, but that was it. And that will just come off with like a magic eraser. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I don't have on this though is the um, the little pack that you plug into your controller and that you put the actual like Game Boy cartridge into import mm-hmm. your Pokemans, uh, which, as it turns out, kind of an important thing to have in this game. Uh, like, I wouldn't have done it anyway because it would have necessitated me actually having a good battery on a Pokemon cart, building a team, and then porting that over, which would have just taken up way too much time. Uh, I really want to play Red and Blue again. But the, the, the way that this game is kind of balanced, if you're just, like, using the teams that it gives you out of the rental system, uh, unless they're level 100, you're kind of just fucked. You're put in a real bad position Yep. Uh, during most of these matches. Um, because the move sets you get like are far from perfect. Like they they intentionally make it to where you might have a couple good moves on there, but you're also shafted with stuff that's just going to be kind of useless to you. And the Pokemon that you fight during these uh, brackets can also exceed the level of Pokemon that you're able to rent, uh, which is also a problem. Um, 
And so I, I, I find this, like, interesting, but also, like, a, a negative at the same time. Because I think that, like, the Pokemon battle system in general is just very dull. But it's more interesting to me in Pokemon Stadium because I have to get stuck with a team that is intentionally handicapped. So I have to kind of, like, figure out my way around that. But you also, when you go into these battles, you see what the stock of six Pokemon the opponent has is, but they're only going to pick three of those, and it's going to be a blind pick. So a lot of it becomes trying to guess what your opponent's going to use and picking the right Pokemon to counter that. Okay. Which I I think that's a lot more of an interesting dynamic than in the actual Pokemon games where most trainers have, like, two Pokemon, and it doesn't really matter. And also you can tell it's a bug catcher, so you're fine. Uh, Pokemon Stadium... I just played the mini games a lot. Oh, the mini games are great. Yeah, the Lickitung one. The one. one. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, There's the Clefairy cool. where you uh you do the up up down life right dip whatever. There's the yeah. snort snort uh, drowsy. Yes, with there's the a pendulum. drowsy one. There's one where you um you throw like Ekans uh like they're in hoops and you play oh, that horseshoes sucks. with them. Yeah, that's not a great one. Uh, the one where you're the Kakunas and the Metapods and you, you get hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one's also you know, hard. I mean, you just bounce a rock right off of me. Um, I like that one. Uh, it's just mash A, isn't it? There's like the, the Pikachu, like the racing one, too, where you just got to like mash the button to get to the end and yeah. like jump over hurdles. Uh, that one's not too good. Yeah, the, I, like, I, it, I mostly played the Lickitung one. <laughs> Yes, the Lickitung one where you're eating up all the sushi is extremely good. Uh, I would say this out of the small selection of minigames that they have, all of them are better than anything that you would find in Mario Party. And I would say that they are like trying to be kind of Mario Party-esque mini. Yeah, who made this? Was that HAL Laboratory? Uh, let me see. I feel like it was. Don't tell me it was Hudson. I don't think so. Um, I think it's too good to be Hudson. Developed by Nintendo EAD and HAL Laboratory. All right, HAL. Yeah. Doing work. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the actual, like, the main draw of the, the game is supposed to just be these different tournaments that they have set up. You have, like, four different cups, uh, and you need to win ten trophies in each of those to kind of consider them beat. Uh, and then you have the gym, uh, castle which i think is like the, the real for me like that's the main draw of the game outside of the mini games is just going through that gym castle it's the thing that feels like the closest to having maybe a story mode in the game jim castle was uh, frank castle's brother right yes okay yeah um but like if you if you beat that and then you beat the elite four and your rival and everything and you get the 10 trophies then the final battle is mewtwo uh, you go fight him in the sky, and it's a really, really cool, like, setting. It's a very fun battle. Uh, it's actually not that hard, considering, like, the rest of the game, because anything where it's just giving you, like, level 100 Pokemon is generally pretty easy. And even then, it's, like, six on one. The thing that I don't like about this, though, is when you finish that, the game resets on you. The menus change to reflect that you beat the game, but it wipes all the rest of your progress. So, like, I, if I wanted to fight Mewtwo again, I have to beat all the cups over again, and I have to go through the entire gym castle over. I'm not going to do that. Very cool. 
You get one one shot to fight you two, and then you are done. It's like uh, that's what Kojima was trying to make with his <laughs> that's right. fantasy game. Hey man, if you uh, if you save the game wrong, you can delete your Game Boy cart. Actually, nice. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what you have to do, but there's like a big fat warning that appears on the screen that's like. Don't you dare reset it when it's doing this one particular thing, because if you do, like, it will completely wipe your save data. Oh, just the save data? I thought you meant, like, it just bricked the whole cart. Oh, I I might need to look that up and see exactly what it does. I remember it being real bad, though, and it was, like, some sort of, like, some sort of shortcoming with the way that they, like, designed the hardware or something, because it was, like, the Nintendo 64 was never really supposed to run any kind of Game Boy stuff. So, like, yeah. them kind of creating this whole thing was a lot more difficult than, like, even the Super Game Boy was. I, I don't know. I have to look it up again. But uh, there's also the Game Boy Tower. What you if you try... Pokemon's on the TV. What if you try to plug your Pokemon Stadium cart into the Blockbuster Pokemon Snap kiosk? Oh, that's a good question. Will it print out photos of your Coliseum team. Oh, that'd be really good. I hmm. What happens if I want to say that there was some a cart of Blast Core into the Pokemon Snap machine? (laughs) I want to know what happens. Every what happens if I put Jet Force Gemini into the Pokemon (laughs) Snap machine? It just eats it. It devours the entire Jet Force Gemini cart. It spares you the agony of having to play that game. Good. Last core just tells you you're too cool to be hanging out in the blockbuster. Yeah. It tells you to go enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, yeah, like, uh, the, the computer also cheats a lot in Pokemon Stadium, I found. Like, there were a lot of points in this game where, like, I was down to my last Pokemon. It has Thunder. I could absolutely wipe this fucking bird out that I'm fighting. But Thunder misses, like, ten times in a row. And then I get killed very slowly and game over and have to start the entire cup over again. Cool. There's a there's a lot of that. There's a lot of I the, the Pokemon I pick, immediately I'm fighting something that it's weak against. Like to to a point that it doesn't really seem like bad luck anymore. It feels like the computer read my team and tried to change the difficulty because maybe I did too well leading up to uh-huh. um there is uh, a few trainers in the game. Like Trainers seem to be programmed around kind of doing certain things, uh, like their behavior is sort of set, so there are some that will constantly be switching their Pokemon out, and it gets really fucking annoying, because like, it, it just makes the match take forever. I do remember that. Constantly shuffling them. Yeah, I, um, I remember that being a problem. Um. But then there's also, like, a few trainers in particular. Like, the hardest one in the entire game is the Gambler, uh, who I believe is part of the level 100, the uh, Ultra Ball difficulty. Um, And he, like, has all his Pokemon have one-hit kill moves uh, that just have a low likelihood of actually connecting. But, because the game cheats... Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's the wrong game. What? But also, I could see how you would make that mistake. Yeah, or, you know, I... you summon Alakazam and he's sitting on a toilet. Uh, <laughs> Muck, he's just a giant penis riding a chariot. 
Yeah, like, uh, I know that some of them had, like, guillotine, which is an instant kill move, and it never worked, ever. Yeah. In all the time I played Pokemon, it never worked. Yeah, Horn Drill uh, and Fissure are the ones that I'm thinking of. And they hit it more often than not in this game. So there was, like, a... I want to say he's like the fourth trainer that you fight in this bracket. So like you lose a decent amount of progress if you game over to him. Uh, and you don't have many opportunities to earn continues up to that point. Uh, you have to perfect three matches to get the most out of that. Um, and I had some where like I would throw a Pokemon out and he'd get the first move and he'd one shot them. And then he'd successfully land the next two one shots and just completely team wipe me without me being able to take a single move. Very cool. Yeah. Seems like it shouldn't operate that way because I've also played the like actual Pokemon games and yeah, like I've never gotten those moves to ever work. I don't think I've ever had them actually work against me in like red and blue either. So, yeah, yeah, bad, bad times, bad um, times, yeah. But like, I, I still like generally kind of enjoy Pokemon Stadium because I think it actually like. The way it structures itself and the changes that they seem to have made to like uh like i could be totally wrong about this but it feels like how maybe you fucked around with stats and how damage operated because it feels like the matches actually take a bit longer to get through uh even when you're just kind of like bouncing moves back and forth um i'm sure there's a bunch of pokemon freaks on the internet who would know a lot more about that than i do I just remember the main thing with this was you get to see the Pokemans in 3D. Like, that was yeah, the whole and thing. The fun thing about that is they also seem to have a lot more animations than they do in the current game, which is also in 3D. <laughs> yeah. They seem a lot more... Like, they got a lot of personality, which is something I always liked about this game, is, like, uh, actually seeing some character in my Pokemons instead of them just kind of wiggling back and forth. Yeah. Uh, like, when Ekans dies, he becomes fully erect and just falls back and, like, wobbles a little bit and then falls onto the ground. Oh, it's really no. good. That's cute. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like seeing Pidgey fall out of the sky like a bird that's just died of heat exhaustion. Yeah, that's okay. This is, this is what I'm into. Um... <laughs> But I actually think that, like, the combat is much more interesting in Pokemon Stadium because of the, the way that game is structured actually makes it feel a bit more strategic. It's still, like, a far cry from being, like, a regular JRPG, but it's closer to it than how, like, most of the Pokemon games play, which are, are much, much, much more rudimentary. Uh, I guess so. I yeah. didn't care about playing it because Pokemon battles are not the part I like about Pokemon. Or used to like. Yeah. Now I don't really like any of it. Yeah, I feel the same way, but I think that's also why I stuck with Pokemon Stadium is it kind of surprised me by fucking with that formula just enough to make it more interesting to me. Um, to kind of keep me hooked on that game. Uh, and again, just being able to actually see like the personality in your Pokemon I think goes a long way. Especially like back at that point in time. Like, that was big. Uh-huh. Um, so ratings, yeah, ratings. What do you give Pokemon? What is it? There Stadium. are there are, this Pokemon Stadium. So there are 150 Pokemon in the original Pokemon, and based off that, I think I would give uh, Pokemon Stadium 100 out of 150 Pokemon. 
Okay. Yes. But, but, I'm going to throw an additional Mew on top of that for a score of 101. <sighs> Although it's out of 151, so it still would basically be the same amount anyway. But it's the gesture that counts, because Mew is very special. Okay. You have to do all that stuff around the truck to get him out. I have an idea for you, by the way. What? To reinvent Pokemon. 100 Pokeballs drop onto an island. No. No thanks. With me so far, you get a random Pokemon that you play as with a random set of four moves uh, unique to that Pokemon, but they're all, like, kind of garbage, and, like, you have to go around and find TMs <laughs> and, like, blown-out houses and stuff. <laughs> okay, that makes it a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> you have to hope that you HMs find Surf are... somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's HMs are like legendary. Like they only come down in like the supply crates that they drop. Oh, okay. What makes you really have to like run out there and get it? <laughs> yeah, that's an alright idea. I think. Yeah. Nintendo needs to get on that. I think that there is a, a skeleton of an idea there that it could actually be turned into something kind of neat, but it's not going to happen. It's. It's uh. Game Freak, man, and they they don't seem to be feeling too good right now. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, well, you know. Game Freak, just make a new Harmonite, please. Yeah, sure. But also, like, no, because it would be current Game Freak, and I'm kind of just not interested in anything that they do. Harmonite wasn't that long ago. Eh, but still. Yeah, make a new Drill Dozer. No, oh, now you're talking. I'd play just about anything that has Drill Dozer on the title. Alright, that's it. Pokemon Stadium gets uh, whatever it is you gave it. I don't care. Uh, 101 out of 151. That's right. Uh, which is a worthless yeah. score. Nobody should pay attention to. Two out of three. Much like Pokemon Stadium. Apparently not, considering you gave it above average. <laughs> I actually, I think Pokemon Stadium is a perfectly fine... It's an okay... Just a video game. Okay. You can get hard with your Metapod in it. I'm and... done talking to you. Okay. We'll be back uh, next week. Maybe some PlayStation 5 news will come out by then. Probably not. Maybe I'll watch some more DS9. Most definitely. Uh, Shining Force. Very likely. Why are you still talking? Because we need it in this thing. To shut it off. In the episode, say the goodbye dinosaurs. <laughs> no, I refuse. <laughs> How dare you? Look, I've been carrying that burden for too long. Now it's your turn. <sighs> goodbye dinosaurs. i